a horrifically tragic school shooting in Texas. We're going to reflect on that here today on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Everybody, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us uh, on a Wednesday afternoon. And Aubrey, we usually like to start lighthearted. I usually like to ask you about your day, but yeah. just not feeling like uh-uh. it today. No, I, it I, you a know, heavy day. Yep. When you turn on the news and you watch coverage after coverage of 21 people killed, the majority of them, Uh, elementary school students. We're going to get into what can we do and how should the church react? We're going to get into that stuff. But it is like staring into the face of evil. It is, it is, it is unimaginably horrific. I've been obsessed with watching it because you can't take your eyes off it because it is so, so awful. I think what's hard for me too as a mom is like, how are we all supposed to expected expected to just like get up and take our kids to school today? Yeah. And 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 I don't what I I don't mean to sound like it's about me, but what mm-hmm. I do mean to say is this really is about all of us and I feel like there's not a lot of space in our nation for just like communal collective grief. Mm-hmm. I wish that especially after the events of the past few weeks, all of the mass shootings, but especially these precious little lives that were lost. Yes. Like, I guess I just wish President Biden or whoever has the authority to do so would have said, you know what? Today's a national day of grief. There's no school. Mm. Don't go to work. Don't yeah. like we have to pause and reflect on how horrific this is. And, yeah. you know, I understand like people are outraged on social media and they should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'm looking for more than individual responses today. I'm looking for our nation to just like pause and mm. be like, what is happening? That's interesting. And this yeah. has to stop. I, it's, it's, I'm with you, Brian. It's heavy. I can't stop watching it either. I don't want to stop in some sense, but I just, I mean, you and I are both parents. I know a lot of our listeners are parents you feel this so heavily. And like, these are, you know, of course your mind goes back to Sandy Hook, like just precious innocent little ones. Like it just, there's just no words for how unspeakable it is. Yeah, it is. And now you wake up this morning and you start to see the stories and the faces and the identify. It's one thing to see the number. It's another thing to see the faces and the names. And you're just, You know, you and I are both parents. I remember saying, I will never forget Sandy Hook, and I think most of us never will. Yeah. Um, but one of the reasons that I'll never forget Sandy Hook is because my kids were that exact age at that exact mm-hmm. time. And I'll never right. forget that. I'll right. never forget just going, how do we live in a place where little kids are being shot at school? Yeah. And and now, you know, this, what are we, 10 years later? Yeah. And it doesn't minimize what happened at a grocery store or a movie theater or a church or whatever, but there's just something about the innocence of school. Yeah. And of the innocence of elementary school, right? Like these kids were getting ready for summer vacation. It was an exciting time or elementary school, you know, when are are we going swimming? When are we doing this? And to be uh, confronted with the evil that they were is, um, yeah, it is, if, if you jump straight today to I must defend this, I must yell about this, that's we're about to do that. But that right, is right. not the first response. The first response is, Lord, have mercy. This yes. is the fate. If you want to know what evil and sin and brokenness looks like, uh, I can't think of a more right. uh, vivid right. picture. Nope. I just can't. Nope. I can't. You, and- you, yeah, you just can't. And um, I mean, I can't even, almost even talk today. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it in your face. And so uh, hopefully you're feeling that out there. Hopefully we never become numb to school-age students' mass shootings or whatever else it might be. And as Aubrey said, it is a time for collective grief. I uh, saw on Twitter some parents just keeping their kids home from school today. Like, I just can't do it. I almost did. You know, like, I almost did. But then I thought, well, I don't know. Like, I I gave my kids a choice and they all said they wanted to go. Oh, interesting. So, so they, you know, they did, but I can, I, you're with you. Like I can see why parents are like, nope, I'm just, we're just going to take the day, right? Yep. Like we're just going to yep. breathe a little bit. And yeah. 
I, I so, think that makes a lot of sense. So our hearts break for those families in Texas. It's just – and I do think there's something to be said about don't look away. Yeah. Like yeah. don't be like, oh, gosh, I can't watch this. Well, you've got that um, – you know, you have that choice. People in the middle of it don't. And I'd suggest if you really if we really are going to feel the weight of what yeah. happened, don't look away. Read yeah. the stories. Yeah. Uh, watch the coverage. Right. And don't pretend it didn't happen because right. it did. Right. Uh, it very much did. And I want to play, um, Aubrey, because we do need to go to. Uh, not what do we what do now? You don't, yes. You don't yeah. want to move to what now too quickly because that in some ways it's what we just said. You want to have some collective yeah. grief. But uh, I read some interesting that's I've told you before I'm not a gun person. Right. Right. Like I'm not I, either. Yeah. And I don't know right gun policy. Right. But let me tell you a stat that I read earlier today. For every hundred children worldwide that are killed by a gun. 87 of those children's deaths happen in the United States of America. Ooh. Like, I don't know the answer. I just know that we have a gun problem. We have a gun problem. And yesterday I heard somebody say, uh, there have been more mass shootings in America than there have been days in the year. And that's this that's right. year alone. That's just mass this shootings year. in 2022. Yes. So we have a gun problem in America. And I'm with you, Brian. I, I recognize that we don't. In one sense, you don't want to move too quickly, but also like we have moved Now's too slowly on this. Yeah. So like yeah. it, this should have happened years and years ago. This should have happened after Sandy Hook. And the fact that we're here 10 years later and this has happened again, like in it. And this is the hard part in America. We're like, yeah. we pride ourselves on like our kids going to school safely yeah. and and freedom. And like we're the best country in the world. And yet in, in no other country is this kind of thing happening That's in right. no other country. I'm not saying kids aren't scared or threatened elsewhere, but in no other country are kids going to public schools terrified for their lives. Yeah. And yeah. It, it should not be so. So in one sense, I'm with you. Like, let's not move too fast, but also like we've Now's been moving too slowly. Now's yeah. the moment. Yep. Yeah. And so I, I understand people out there like, well, I don't understand. I've told you I'm not a gun person. I don't but understand it either. The right? answer is not just get every gun off the street. I understand that there's yeah. mental health issues. There's yeah. this, <clears throat> but the guns are part of the problem. Period. <laughs> like, Period. Even if you're a, a second amendment, wave the flag, all this stuff, right. you still have to acknowledge that the guns yep. are part yep. of the problem yep. that we have to try to get the our fact minds that this around. This kid turns 18, goes and gets an, a, a weapon and then two gets of the, two of them yes. and then goes and gets all of this ammunition and nobody is flagging that as abnormal yeah. behavior for an 18 year old. I mean, yeah. it's and just later on, guns are part of the problem. Later on, one, because then it goes to what's the solution? We're going to talk about one of those later yeah. in an article from David French. Yeah. Thankful for him. But mm -hmm. I do uh, want you to hear this audio. A lot of you probably already heard it. It's from Senator Chris Murphy uh, on the floor of Congress last night. What are we doing? Just days after a shooter walked into a grocery store to gun down African-American patrons, we have another Sandy Hook on our hands. What are we doing? There have been more mass shootings than days in the year. Our kids are living in fear every single time they set foot in the classroom because they think they're going to be next. What are we doing? Why do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate? Why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job, of putting yourself in a position of authority? If your answer is that as this slaughter increases, as our kids run for their lives, we do nothing. What are we doing? Why are you here? If not to solve a problem as existential as this. So I thought that was important. Just mm -hmm. when are we going to do something? That's right. This what was are we not do? inevitable. This like, could this, be changed. This feels like it's at the feet of our representatives who yeah. just refuse to do anything. I don't, to be honest with you, Aubrey, I, I read a, a, a quote and it came out again yesterday that uh, that once we didn't make fundamental changes after kindergartners were killed at Sandy Hook, we're <sighs> never going to do it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of feels mm -hmm. that way, right? Yeah, it it kind of feels like this is just who we are as yeah. a people. There, there aren't really – I mean it's hard because we have a talk show. But there aren't really words to put that, that encompass yeah. just, just how overwhelming this is. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It It's – I mean I – you know, there's – 
And there are moments I was reading this morning, even some of the some lamentations and then also some of the lament song psalms. And there are moments where, uh, especially in lamentations, Jeremiah is just saying like, I, my tears are like rivers. And mm. I, I feel like in some senses, like a moment like this demands to be felt, not spoken about. Like it's so mm. unspeakable that like, there aren't words for it, but it, what we can like vehemently say is this is evil and wrong and it should cause anger, heartache, grief. Like it should cause all of those things. And we should not be, we should not be numb or cavalier in the face of something like this. That's right. That's right. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of said in the first part of the show that the time will come to actually talk about what should be done. But I think you made a great point. No, no. Now's the time. Yeah. Now's the time <laughs> when we're all feeling the emotions to mm-hmm. hold our uh, our Congress people, mm-hmm. uh, our representatives, our senators told them to actually do something. Yep. And, and it takes 30 seconds to do it. It's very, very easy to find the number online or to send an email. You don't even need a response from them. Just make the phone call. That's right. So they can see what people are are, are actually feeling. Yeah. And with that in mind, I wanted to play for you. A lot of you have probably heard this. Steve Kerr, the coach of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, he was doing a press conference before their game last night with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, And Steve Kerr has been a very outspoken. He's a basketball coach, but he is obviously he is very outspoken on social issues. Uh, A lot of people are like he should run for political office like he's not just, you know, this basketball coach. And so uh, he also, if you don't know Steve Kerr's story uh, in 1984, Steve Kerr's father, who was an ambassador of some sort in Lebanon, was or Beirut. Yeah, was shot and killed. So Mm. his dad was murdered. Uh, so that's part of his history. Uh, and so Steve Kerr got up and he said, I don't want any basketball questions. We're going to run out the same starting lineup tonight, but I've got some things to say. And uh, it, 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 the whole thing is well worth your time. But I want you just to listen to some of this. I'm not going to talk about basketball. Nothing's uh, happened with our team in the last six hours. We're going to start the same way tonight. Um, any basketball questions uh, don't matter. Um, since we left shoot-around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here and a, and a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. And now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8 which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple of years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. So uh, uh, anger is what yeah. comes off there. Always yeah. sadness, but banging the table saying, are we going to do something? This has mm-hmm. to stop. I think that speaks for a lot of us of how we're feeling that even if we don't know the answers, we are putting our trust in people who are supposed to know the answers and yes. who are supposed to have the courage to make the changes. I gave you the statistic in the beginning because those of you are like, well, you know, it's just a mental health. Yes, mental health is a big problem in this. Yep. Or it's just this. Yes, there's there's different things, social media and other things. But part of and a big part of this is guns. Yes. And uh, I gave you the stat at the beginning of the show that for every hundred kids killed by gun violence, worldwide 87 of those kids are killed in the united states of america like there's something about gun violence in In our our nation and 
you know, I, I told you, I've told you many times, I did not grow up around guns. I do not understand gun yeah. culture. And for that, yeah. I don't really think I'm very qualified to get up and say, this is what we should do about guns. Yeah. But I do think you're putting your head in the sand if you don't acknowledge that at least that we have a gun problem, that they right. are not helping the situation, that they are not. So do I have the right answer? No, but I would like that the people who are supposed to have the answers and who are supposed to be um, ensuring our well-being of our children and stuff to actually make some of those hard decisions. And they seem unwilling to do so. Yes. Uh, and so, Aubrey, you make a good point. Like, now is the time to reach out to your senators. Now is the time to uh, kind of rally the people, I guess, it and is. to try to do something about it. Yeah, I, I want to read something that Raymond Chang, we've had him on the show before. He's the president of the Asian American Christ uh, Christian Collaboration. And he put this on um, social media today. And then I actually want to give our people like a really practical step that's very easy. Okay, so Raymond Chang says this. To say you grieve the death of someone drinking poisoned water from the sink and do nothing to address the poison that is being pumped through the faucets is negligent and egregious. It is love without action or faith without works. You cannot obey the second commandment to love your neighbor as the Bible defines neighbor and idolatrously defend the second amendment and resist gun reform. The two are at odds with each other. If you care about the victims of gun violence like we have seen, and he lists the various cities where we've seen the last couple weeks, then you need to push for policy change. The fact that this many people have access to guns, there are more guns than people in the United States, Mm. tells us a lot about who we are. Then he says this. I, I won't read all of it, but he says this. Sadly, too many Christians seem to love their guns more than they love their neighbors. And then he says the standard response this is what you were kind of saying, Brian. The standard responses people give about how guns aren't the problem and how individual rights will be threatened is tragic. My heart breaks for families that will be left without their loved ones because we continue to fail to keep deadly weapons away from deadly people. Yeah. Um, and so I, here's the thing, you know, you and I, you and I have said this, we know some of you out there are gun owners and you, you want your right to own a gun under your second amendment. What we're talking about is gun reform where like, mm. uh, these mass, mass murders are no longer as accessible and easy. Um, but here's a step. If you feel angry about this, if you feel, if you want to make a change, this is one of the easiest ways. If you are on, a a smartphone, you can text the word resist to 50409. It's like a bot that I use all the time, actually. And it will walk you through how to contact all of your um, leaders and it will do the work for you. All Mm. you have to do is um, write a little text message and it will send messages out to all the leaders. And I know it works because I've gotten responses from my government leaders. So Mm. it is so easy. Again, just text the word resist to 50409. And this could be about anything you particularly care about. But right now, let's say like gun reform, mass shootings, put that at the top of your list. Yeah. Yeah. And and here's what I would say. I, I would I would sum it up this way for people. Guns are not the only issue in this. This is a complex conversation yeah. for our culture to be having. And so if you hear us just going, oh, just take the guns away and you think that we're simplistic about it. I understand that. Like, I get that. Yeah. But I would also say to you to ignore that guns are not a big part of this problem. Uh exposes something about you. Mm. And I I don't think we can. So I don't think we can look for simplicity on either side here. I'm willing to say guns are not the only problem here. Like it's not a matter of guns equal mash. That's not the only problem. But the accessibility of guns and the frequency of guns. I saw another tweet where basically every school shooting we've had or the well, not even sure it was all just school shootings are all from AR-15. So can we maybe have a conversation about that gun? There right? we go. Can we there maybe we have go. a conversation? There we go. David, David French, we're going to talk about it later today. He wrote an article about the red flag laws, yeah. I think it's called. That yep. makes complete sense. All that we're asking is that our leaders be willing to have the difficult conversations That's that right. they appear to be really uh, uh, negligent and and afraid mm-hmm. to have like we don't need to get defensive and be like stay away from this or to, yeah h- how about we have the conversation simply so that our children are protected and these things don't keep going on and so yeah I mean for once put the kids before your like 
uh, fear of losing power and votes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because that's what it comes down to. They're afraid to offend people so they don't get voted in again. Well, I'm sorry, but put these kids first, period. Like, yeah. that's the kind of leader that we need right now. Uh, it's a hard day. It's a hard day in our country yeah. as we continue to process, grieve, rage against all of this, pray for uh, the people down there in Texas who mm-hmm. um, endured yet another uh, horrific, unimaginable school shooting in which 21 people were killed, including 18 or 19 uh, second through fourth graders. Just incomprehensible, as we've been saying the whole show here, the the embodiment of evil. And yeah, okay. uh, we're going to continue to wrestle with this, Aubrey, today. We're going to talk about David French set, talked about something that we can do, uh, an easy fix that not an easy fix, but a, a great place to yes. start when we think about legislation and yes. what can we do with guns. And so we're going to stay on this story today. But, Aubrey, we did want to take uh, just a little bit of time. We do something here on the show called the social media water cooler. It is where we place out there a, a question um, a thought, a whatever on Facebook, yes. Twitter, Instagram at the show here. And we'd like to get your responses and we read some of those responses. And this is graduation time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the end of school. You just said it's your son's last day of last school day in of high school. school. Uh, my daughter graduated this past weekend. Amazing. Uh, feels like our middle school and elementary school kids, they're in for like another I know. Month. I, I actually feel keep really going. bad for them. They're in purgatory right now. They're just going to keep oh, going. Oh, we're in that in my house right now because my kids, it feels because their sister's out. Yeah. It feels like they should be out, but uh, you're like, nope, time to go brutal. to bed. Nope. Time to go. Uh, when you wake them up in the morning, they look at you like, you got to be joking. Me. You got to be kidding me. So uh, why don't you, in in uh, in recognition of graduation yes. season, Aubrey, what was our uh, social media water cooler yeah. this week? It was a great question. Uh, we asked the question, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Which is always a, always kind of a fun question for people to, people to consider. And we got some really, really uh, good answers. Um, and before we go, before we end, Brian, don't let me forget to tell like the funny thing that happened when this started. Right. But I'll start right. with the advice that people gave. Okay. What would you say to your 18-year-old self? Um, someone, uh, Rachel said, you don't have to have your life plan figured out or even Hmm. the next four years figured out. Interesting. Yep. Thought that was pretty good. Um, somebody said lots of advice comes to mind. Mainly I would encourage to not be distracted by the expectations of others. Mm, That's good. good That's good. Uh, somebody else said, be yourself and learn to love yourself for the innate abilities and qualities you were given and you have honed. Embrace the weirdness that is uniquely you. I like that one. A few yeah. people, some on Twitter, some on Facebook said like, buy stock in Apple, buy stock in Google Chrome, buy stock in, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I they thought took that was the question funny. very literally. Yeah, if I could go back to my 18 year old self. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, somebody said, get counseling so you don't mess up your life. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Good. This is actually a friend of mine. I actually really like this answer because this guy, his name is Josh Harry. He's a he's the husband of one of my really good friends from grad school. He was, and I can tell this because he tells his story publicly. Uh, he was a drug addict. At one point, he was in prison for dealing drugs. He is a powerful man of faith now, like loves people, loves Jesus, out of prison, doing really well, been sober for a long time. But here's what he said. Don't do drugs. Work harder <laughs> and save money. Be a leader, not a follower. Don't do dumb things. That's funny. You <laughs> know, know, when I'm... somebody when somebody has the story they can tell, uh-huh. that's really that's really funny. What would you tell yourself? What would or how would you yeah. answer this question, Aubrey? I, I think a lot for me would be about kind of that don't worry so much about like pleasing others. Mm-hmm. Don't worry so much even about like if you let other people down. Um, I, I would definitely tell myself like not to waste time on like idiot boyfriends, like, (laughs) like wait for the good guy, you know, and which would be my husband, Kevin. And then I, I think I would also say like, keep your faith. Like you don't know what God is going to do as you follow him and trust him and wait on him. And then this is still a lesson I think I'm learning now, even in my forties, but like life goes in seasons. And so Mm. what you are in now, if it feels really, really hard, it's not always going to be that way. Like, like God moves you in and out of season and he's faithful the whole time. But sometimes you just have to wait for his, always you have to wait for his timing and just trust that like, it will be okay. Yeah. 
Um, What would you say? Yeah, a lot of what kind of somewhat similar to what you just said there. But I would say this, if I could talk to my 18 year old self, uh, and I don't mean this in a drug way like your friend did. Yeah. I would say like this: uh, Don't get too high and don't get too low. Don't mm. ride that roller coaster. The high, okay. you know, you like yeah. when you're on top of the world, you're like I'm the greatest. When you're in your 20s, right? You're like yeah. I'm the greatest pastor. I'm the greatest this. I'm the greatest that. <laughs> but then when the lows come, you're like I'm the worst. I should never do this ever again. I'm right. Like, the reality of life is in the middle. Like, be steady. Like, I would tell my Mm. 18 year old self, be steady, Mm. long obedience in the same direction. Like, don't go, don't ride this roller coaster of emotion of where you're like, I'm the best, I'm the worst. And just right, that's, we can't do that for too long. And at our young age, we tend to do that. So, uh, good good. advice all around. Tell us the funny part of what happened with our social (laughs) media water cooler this week. So as, as we were kind of throwing around ideas for the social media water cooler this week with our executive producer, Keith, we at first all said, let's do like, um, a Memorial day one. What sort of grilling staples can't you live without? So we posted (laughs) that and somebody replied right away. And they said, I got to read it to you. Meat, meat, and more meat, brats and hot dogs for sure. Well, then we changed it to what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? And so I commented to that person who replied to the meat, ha, 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 we changed the question, but this is hilarious. Your wife chimed in. I feel like the advice still holds up. Me, <laughs> yes. <my> question mark. <laughs> and then this woman who originally put it, her name is Kathy. She said, I'm not changing my answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so really good. the advice you would give to your 18-year-old self, meat, meat, and more meat, brats and hot dogs for sure. That is that is good advice all yeah, around. That is advice. not advice. Uh, vice, not bad advice at all. So thanks for taking some time and joining us at the social media water cooler. Brian, you and I have some people that we quote regularly, go to right. regularly, kind of return to often because they just they know what they're talking about and they teach us quite a bit. And so when we feel a little bit confused, it's nice to have voices to depend on and, and rely on for for wisdom and for thoughtfulness. And one of those people that we often turn to is David French over at the French press. And he is, um, how would you describe David? He's a journalist. He's a Republican. He was a military guy. He's a veteran. He's a veteran. He's a lawyer. Yeah. He's, but he's become, I mean, this is too light of a word. He's also just a He's a really wise pundit now who he's like a social commentator Mm -hmm. and you and I, you know, our cards on the table, we tend to read. That's why we have him on the show so often. Mm -hmm. We tend to really resonate with the David French's of the Mm -hmm. world. Right. Uh, But David French has kind of made a name for himself uh, in a good way for some people and in a bad way for some people as being also pretty anti-Donald Trump. Yeah. And outspoken. And so but very conservative. So trying Mm -hmm. to walk that balance. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but I, I, I think that's a good way to describe him and just a ton of wisdom, just a ton of wisdom. So just a ton of wisdom. And I think what we haven't said is also a man of faith. He is a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so most of where he's coming from is both the intelligent and the spiritual. So we appreciate that. So, um, he, he's writing, of course, about the school shooting yesterday, but he talks about something called red flag laws, which I have never heard about before, Brian. And so instead of trying to recap it for you, because I don't actually know, I'm just going to read what he wrote. And let's talk about it a little bit, because I think it's really fascinating. Here's what he says. He says, I'm definitely not a person to denigrate thoughts and prayers. We talked about that before, how sometimes people will say mm-hmm. our thoughts and prayers are with, you know, Texas, for example. Um, and some people are not a fan of that. But he says, I, I'm not... I'm not a person to denigrate thoughts and prayers. I believe prayer is powerful and effective. We should pray for the victims and their families, pray for their comfort, et cetera. But then he says, but there is one, there are things we must do Mm -hmm. to protect our children from this awful scourge. And that's why I'm writing about red flag laws. Here's what he says to understand the need for red flag laws. It's important to understand the different categories of American gun deaths and the tools we have to defeat gun violence. He goes on to address what we would call common crime, quote unquote, common crime. Mm. He thinks of that as gang violence, domestic violence, et cetera. But he says our nation's gun control laws are much less effective at addressing the next two categories of gun deaths, suicides and mass killings. 
enormous numbers of otherwise law-abiding citizens die by suicide using guns in our country. He says mass killings are their own thing. Mass shooters are frequently law-abiding right up until the moment when they commit mass murder. Mass shootings are often meticulously planned, which means that they can circumvent common gun control laws. For example, the Buffalo shooter legally purchased the weapon he used and then illegally modified it to make it more lethal. So when we talk about common gun control proposals after mass shootings, whether we're referring to expanded background checks, assault weapon bans, or limits on magazine capacity, the general rule is that none of these measures, even if implemented, would have actually prevented any recent mass shootings, okay? Mm. So then he goes on to talk about this thing called a red flag law, which should contain abundant procedural safeguards, including imposing a burden of proof on the petitioner, hearing requirements, and a default expiration date unless the order is renewed through a clear showing of continued need. Okay, so even that, I'm like, okay, David French, I already don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) He says, basically, the idea is simple, that if a person exhibits behavior indicating that they might be a threat to themselves or others, a member of his school, a, a family, or a police officer can go to court to secure an order that permits police to seize his weapons and permit him from purchasing prohibit him from purchasing any additional weapons as long as the order lasts. That's essentially, Mm. it looks like what a red flag law is. He says in every one of the deadliest school shootings, the shooter exhibited behavior before the shooting that could have triggered a well-drafted red flag law. So anyway, this was new information to me. I didn't realize that there was this thing called a red flag law. And he goes on to say, look, I know there are objections. I know that that implicates a core constitutional right. I also know that poorly drafted laws are subject to abuse. But our constitutional structure permits emergency and temporary deprivations of even core liberty interests upon sufficient showing of need with sufficient due process. He he talks mm. about like restraining restraining orders as an example of that. So anyway, that's kind of a mouthful, but I think that's an interesting concept passing and enforcing these red flag laws yeah. now because they can actually save lives. Uh, and here's so let's just talk very basically one thing I appreciate here about French's article is looking to actually do something right looking to say what can actually make it getting beyond the rhetoric of yeah. uh, just a bunch of blowhards trying to figure mm-hmm. you know trying to yell mm-hmm. uh, on both sides mm-hmm. but instead say what could make a difference so yeah. I didn't realize there's a lot of states he says 19 states already have some form of the red flag law okay. And obviously, this is not a perfect law. It requires people to step forward. It requires, you know, stuff can fall. But he does go through and exhibit and show when it comes to school shootings, the vast majority of them, if there were a law in place like this and people acted upon it, this would have fallen underneath those. So they Mm -hmm. this would have caught them. And so uh, I think this is sensible. It's a way of us saying we're not taking away your gun rights forever. Right. We're not. But but you're showing some signs that you could be a danger to others, but also Mm -hmm. a danger to yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Also a danger to yourself. And 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 Aubrey, what we've been saying all morning, all afternoon is we've got to do something. Right. 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 Like not just be reactionary and do bad, like something that's not working, but actually ask the question, because here's another stat, Aubrey. I didn't share this one with you earlier. Uh, for kids uh, under the age of 18, uh, firearm deaths is now the number one cause of death in our country. Brian, I read that a few weeks ago, and I was shocked by that, yeah. that stat because you and I have been on the show saying that it's other things. But now that is true. Kids under 18 in our country, firearm deaths. I mean. Are number one. That. Uh, it is- surpasses car accidents for the first time in 60 years. Uh, and it happened in 2020 and remains. And so the question becomes just what are we going to do? And so that's why I appreciate David French saying here yeah. like, hey, I understand some of you will have a problem with this. I understand mm-hmm. it's not the perfect law, but it mm-hmm. moves the ball forward. We just don't have any appetite, it appears, at a at a national level to even try to move the ball forward. And so that yeah. is – I read this and I go, okay, I see how it's not perfect, but right. it, it – but it it's moves something. the ball forward. It's yes. something. Yes. That's right. Here's how David French ends. He says, I, you know, I don't know about the identity history or motivations of the shooter. A red flag law may not have helped, but this dreadful moment should remind us all of the dreadful moments that came before. 
It should remind us that there is a policy that can save lives. Dear legislatures, pass red flag laws now. Give families and police a chance to remove guns from the people who tell us they are dangerous. I think that's a really wise word from David French. You know, I don't want to forget to mention something. It's Brian, it has been a heavy day. And as Mm. our eyes are focused on the horrific shooting at the elementary school in Texas, we also know that there are horrific atrocities around the world, including those in Ukraine who are still on the ground suffering, a lot of them without food. And so we've been partnering all month with an organization that you and I love. We love the folks there. It's called Food for the Poor. If you go to our website, 1160hope.com, you can click on the Help Ukraine banner. It's at the top of the screen. And your gift today will make a difference in the lives of those on the ground in Ukraine or some of the refugees coming out of Ukraine who are literally without food unless we help. Mm. And uh, every dollar provides four meals. So your gift is uh, exponentially multiplied in really powerful ways. Again, we would just love to invite you, especially if you're, you're just feeling a lot of heavy grief today. This is a way to serve another person by going to 1160hope.com and clicking on that um, Help Ukraine banner. Um, Brian, every single year, Time Magazine comes out with their list of the 100 most influential people uh, of the year, 2022. They just came out with their list this week. And I thought it was kind of fun to talk about who they consider the most influential people. And then we could talk about like what it means to actually have influence in our yeah. own lives. But ha- I, I want to know if you have any guesses, but maybe you've already looked at it. So the thing I struggle with is magazines like this need to sell magazines, right? Totally. Are we talking social media influence? It's people Uh like, you know, uh, it's it's people like Joe Rogan, for instance. It's an influential person. Yeah. And I'm guessing he's somewhere on the list. Or this is probably a both and. It's probably not an either or. Are we talking President Zelensky? President. Uh, oh yeah, that would be a good negative, one. On a negative side, President Putin. That's some influence right there. Uh-huh. Uh President Biden. Are we yeah. are we talking those people? Supreme yeah. Court justices. Like those right. are influential right. people. My guess is it's both. So I'm going to go with Joe Rogan and mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey and mm-hmm. people like that and then I'm going to land on those politicians. So they interestingly that you said it like that because they actually do divide it up in categories. They have influential oh. Artists, innovators, titans, leaders, icons, pioneers. And so under the leaders, yes, Oprah Winfrey is on there. Um, or she, uh, let's see. Zelensky is definitely on there. Katanji Brown-Jackson is on there. Joe Rogan is on there. Nice. I got it. Um, amongst the icons, we've got Mary J. Blige is on there. Keanu Reeves is on there. Oh, please. Ad- yes. Adele <laughs> is on there. Under the artists, we've got one of my favorites, Simu Leo. He played... Uh, Shang-Chi in the Marvel movies. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker is on there. Channing Tatum is on there. If you go to Pioneers, you've got uh, Candace Parker. You've got Questlove. Um, you've got Emily Oster. So it's a it's a pretty interesting list. I, I kind of want to make the icon list one day, but that's actually, you know, not a lot of people get to be icons. There are also Titans. So the Titans mm. are Oprah. Uh, yep. Let's see who else. Chris Jenner is a Titan. I thought that was kind of an interesting name to add to the list. Um, anyway, so it's kind of fun, I think, to look at who Time Magazine picks as the most influential people. And uh, they actually have Vladimir Putin on their list as well. It's yeah, kind of interesting. I mean, They've got Zelensky it's, and He is certainly influential. So <laughs> it's hard not to have a list. It's hard to have a list without him. But yeah, you, yeah. You're, you mourn his influence. You absolutely mourn his influence. So I think that's interesting as they didn't necessarily say, see this as all positive influence, but just people who are influential. Joe Biden is on the list as well. Um, some other names that you might recognize. Taika Waititi, who I love. He's a he's an actor, but also director of a lot of the Marvel movies, including the Thor movies, the most recent ones. So that's kind of fun that he's on the list. Zendaya is on the list as well. Um, but Brian, let's let's take this to home, right? Because not all of us are Zoe Kravitz's and Pete Davidson's, you know, making influence that way. But all of us, I think, have a level of influence that God has given us in our families, in our neighborhoods, in the places that we work, uh, even on social media. You and I obviously have influences as church leaders and even here on the radio. Like I think all of us have a level of influence that God has given us that we need to steward 
well, whether or not we're ever recognized by, you know, Time Magazine or right, something right. like that. I don't think we're going to be, but yeah. yes. Um, so, so let's talk about that. How would you define influence? And then I suppose the next question would be, how would you define godly influence? Hmm. That's interesting. So how do you define influence? I think it's the old leadership axiom of look behind you are people following you, mm, right? Oh, like, that's good, Brian. That's I, good. I think you can ask yourself, uh, all right, I'm, I, I think I'm having an influence. And I think the real, mm-hmm. the real question is, am, do I see influence around me happening? Yeah. Is, it, is it even there? Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's it. What does godly influence mm-hmm. look like? I think godly influence looks like character, looks like mm-hmm. fruits of the spirit. It looks yeah. like you're growing people in godliness, not in your own influence or putting them, getting them to do something or whatever mm-hmm. else. But godly influence instead uh, looks to character. And that's why I would say as you think about who is influencing you, the question needs to be asked uh, as the Christ follower, who is it that's pushing you towards Jesus? Who yeah. is it that is moving you along? Who is it that's having that influence on mm. you? And I would say lean into those people. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's that's a really I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. Like who who is influencing you? That's a really good question. I just randomly looked up dictionary.com, the word influence, just to kind of see what they have to say. And they say it's the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something to the effect itself. And so I I think that's interesting to think that all of us might have some God-given capacity to influence the small circles in our lives. And are we influencing people, you know, not to, not to be tongue in cheek here, but really are we influencing people towards the common good Are we influencing their lives towards Jesus? Are we influencing in a way that, you know, when we're looking back on our lives, we'll be so glad. And, um, and who are we being influenced by? I love that you asked that question because I think that is so important, especially as we think about a lot of times on the show, we talk about the social media voices that are in our head and the political pundits and all of the noise that's around us. All of that has an influence on us, whether Mm -hmm. or not we want to believe it. It just does. Those voices do. And so are we sort of mining the noise for people of godly influence who have, you know, a lived faith over the long haul, have endured in their walk with Jesus, a, a person of character, like that's the kind of people that we want to be influenced right. by and that we want to become, right? Yes. As as we look as we look back. And so I think, you know, oftentimes I don't think about this concept of influence in my own life. But I, you know, if, if you really do step back and think about, well, you have influence on your kids, you have influence in some ways on your neighbors, you and I, again, as church leaders, we have influence on the people that we lead. I think even on social media, the people that follow us, we have major influence in their lives and not that we're the only voice, but I do think we need to think about our influence as something that we steward Yes. As unto the Lord and not take lightly, like yeah. probably something we really need to consider. Are we, yeah, are just, are we managing our influence well in a way that honors God and not being flippant or passive about it? Yeah. Do, do I have influence and mm-hmm. over whom do I have influence? Yeah. And I think you ask the really important question, uh, towards what am I influencing them? What, yeah. what direction am yeah. I leading them? Yeah. Um, because not all influence is good, as we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as parents, we know we talk to our children about that. So uh, if there are actually people following me, whether it's social media or as a pastor or whatever, uh, as they're around me, where are they going to end up? Where am I yeah. pushing them towards? What am I leading them towards? I think is a super important question to be asking ourselves. And it is the end of today's show. And at the end of every show, we love to bring you something challenging or inspiring, something to put a smile on your face. We're, we're kind of not, we're not leaning into some of those smile on your faces no, today because it's today. a heavy day. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think Brian and I want to be very intentional about honoring the pain of uh, this, of course, the school shooting in Texas alongside the past several weeks of mass shootings that we've seen. And so we we don't want to come across as flippant or cavalier. We want to be very mindful. And, and, and Brian and I are both grieving this as we know you are as well, listeners. And so we just want you to know that we are here with you and praying with you. And we know what a heavy, hard day this is. But in light of that, as people of faith, you know, I do think it's important for ha- to have a conversation about recognizing God. Like, where is God at work 
especially in these really, really, really dark times. Mm -hmm. And um, this was a few days ago, but Relevant Magazine had an article talking about how it can be hard to recognize God. And we might be comfortable with believing in God and talking to him, but we're not used to simply recognizing God, even when he appears in our lives. And of course, in a situation like the Texas shooting, it is really, really difficult to recognize God. Like, God, where are you? God, where were you? God, what are you doing right now? And um, again, at Relevant, they actually talk about that moment with Elijah in 1 Kings 19, where he's struggling to recognize God. He's hiding in a cave in the side of the mountain. And it's a very famous biblical story. It's actually really beautiful when uh, the Bible teaches that Elijah looked for God in the fierce wind. He looked for yeah. God in an earthquake and a fire. His emotions were fierce and he was looking for a fierce God. But then God came to Elijah in a whisper. Hmm. And Elijah had really, you know, failed to see that God was coming to him in this small, sort of tender way. And this author at Relevant is saying perhaps it's hard to recognize God because, um, we're a little bit afraid of how God is going to show up. We're afraid that God is going to invite us to do something, to challenge us, to change us. And yet it's so important for us to learn to recognize that God is whispering to us. And, and God is right now close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Um, but that does involve us listening to God so we can find him. And this is one of those weird mysteries about the Christian faith, Brian, where it's like, all right, God, I... I'm going to I'm going to pause all of my busyness and all of the noise and I'm going to listen for that whisper whisper for that still small voice and trust that you're speaking. Um but we do have to make time to be quiet. Yeah. Right? So that we recognize God and I think especially in a day like today when there's so much heaviness and so much grief it's really important for us to probably be quiet and listen. Mm-hmm. But how do we even do it? Do you have thoughts on on how to recognize God and and how to listen for God's still small voice in your life? Yeah, that's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. Because we're we are surrounded by noise, and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, this sounds like a kind of flippant answer, but I think there's some truth to it. When you first said, "How do we listen to God?" I said, "I don't know. Maybe turn my phone off for a little mm-hmm. while, like turn off that distraction yeah. and get out of that distraction." I think there is Aubrey. I think it takes real intentionality in our day and age. Uh, to be quiet, to be yeah. reflective, to be yeah. um, still and know that he is God, to be able to hear that still small voice. And so I would say uh, it requires intentionality. It requires um, intentional quietness, intentional disconnecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, I think, Aubrey, I think we we hear his voice in his word. Yep. Uh, we hear his voice in nature, right? We yep. hear his voice through other people. What are they yep. saying to me? And then I do believe God speaks to us supernaturally. So getting Mm -hmm. in the quiet, slowing down, praying, taking time and seeing if God says anything to you. I think all of those are part of the process. I think it starts with an intentionality to slow down, which is really hard. That's a really, really difficult thing to do on a regular basis. But I don't think... Uh, we're going to hear from God apart from that. And and yeah. it is that busyness and that noise that kind of wars against us hearing from God. Yeah, it's so true. And then I think sometimes what we can even do to ourselves is, so let's say we're like, okay, I'm going to carve out 10 minutes to be quiet and see if God shows up. Well, then our mind starts to wander and we start thinking about our to-do list or who's texting us that we need to get back to. And then we kind of get mad at ourselves for not being able to even be quiet for long enough to hear God. And so that kind of sends us down the shame spiral. So we're like, well, forget it. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to bother. But I do think, you know, practicing stillness and silence is just that a practice. And so I think just to give yourself grace to trust that, One, like God loves you. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God does want to speak to us. I I think sometimes that's the part that we almost don't even believe or understand that like God is a personal God who wants to communicate with us. And so to almost start from that foundational Mm. belief and then spend some time, like you said, in God's word, and then out of that, maybe even a time of silence, like God, what, what do you want to say to me right now? 
Just listen yeah. to see if the Holy Spirit shows you anything or, or speaks anything to you or, or draws your mind towards something. And perhaps it's it's worth practicing with somebody else. Like, can you be quiet before God with another person? Even if you start with five minutes, 10 minutes. And just, you know, I think we'll, we would all be surprised at how God shows up with love and compassion and tenderness in those moments. And I mean, even I just last week, I was kind of wrestling with something and I was trying to do my Bible study and I could not focus on the Bible because I felt this sort of like thought nagging at me about something in particular. And it was this moment where I was like, okay, God, I feel like you're calling me to just put my Bible down and listen to you right now. Mm. And so I, the Lord and I went through this. I mean, it's going to sound a little crazy, but it was so beautiful. Like God was reminding me of truth of who he is and who I am and spoke such healing words over me with this thing I was wrestling with. And had I not paused to be quiet, I would have missed out on this really tender personal time with God. Hmm. And God doesn't always show up that way. Like certainly with Elijah, there was a lot of emotion going on and he was definitely searching for God. But I think you're right. Like God is always speaking and it's supernatural. Like you said, it's also through the word. It's also through nature. It's also through other people. And so I think the work is paying attention mm. so that we can begin to perceive God's presence in yeah. every aspect of life, even in these really, really painful, difficult days we're listening in right now to see what God might be saying and what God might be inviting us into. I think that's really well put. And it's it's not brain surgery, but it's hard, right? Like yeah. it's not what's the old thing. Yeah. I struggle to slow down in my day. Once I get mm -hmm. going, I just kind of go family yep. stuff, work stuff, radio yep. stuff, all this stuff. And then when I'm, I have moments of, of to myself, what am I doing? I'm playing on my phone. I'm watching TV. I'm doing, and none of these are bad things, Yep. but where in your day are you disconnecting and slowing down and connecting with your heavenly father? I think yeah. it, it, again, like it, it, it you're not going to have a growing relationship. Your faith isn't going to grow apart from that. It right. needs to be a part of who you are. And right. God welcomes and invites us into that. It's just, it just can get crowded out and we've got to vigilantly and intentionally fight against that. Yep. That's exactly right. And so I would say today, especially of all days, spend some time both interceding for all of the terrible things that are happening in our nation. And then also listen to God. What might, what might he be speaking over you? What might he be saying? What might he be calling us all to do right now? And that's the start of recognizing God at work in our lives. Well, Hey, we know it's been a heavy day. We're so thankful that you've joined us today. Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from four to 6 PM for Brian from I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you've been listening to the common good on AM 1160 hope for your life. 